All right, at the end of this week's podcast, the one you're listening to right now, uh, we have an interview with Tim McGraw. He's got a brand new song called Standing Room Only. So stick around after the closing jingle to hear that. And now, the Big D and Bubba Weekly Podcast. Big D and Bubba, they have a show five days a week, but they don't get to say everything that's on their minds. So they have an extra one, and that's how we get the podcast. Ah, oh, it's a podcast. That's what it is. Big D and Bubba's podcast, the podcast, the podcast, Big D and Bubba's podcast. Oh, yes, the tone deaf guy singing the loudest today. Uh, If you love music, you need to download the Pickle Jar app, show some gratitude, show some love to your favorite artists, your favorite bands, your favorite comedians. Uh, It's a great way also to support causes around town. You know, if you're doing a fundraiser or something, Pickle Jar is the way to go. Uh, That way you get all of the money that people want to give to you. Uh, plus, you can watch exclusive content you can't find anywhere else. Check it out if you got an iPhone or a Droid. Picklejar.com. And i got a new gold, everybody. He works so very hard. So very hard. What was that? <laughs> what was that? Some guy. It was like his grandma or somebody or his mom or somebody. He he was working really hard. And he was so, so proud of him. And so she just, she was so happy that it made me happy. She's crying because he worked so hard. He worked so very hard. So very hard. And so I figured. So I had? Huh? She, so, they, they, she, she, so very hard. He worked so very hard. So very hard. I don't know. To why. get ahead? No, I, no, I thought it was so very hard. Like she just repeated herself. I don't know. But I don't. I just enjoyed it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make that a gold. Mm. Yeah, it's not the best one. Either. It's not the best one, but it's a new one. Uh, Killer Beast with us. Uh, hey, man, can you hear? Yes, yes, I can, you got, you sir. Thank okay. you so much. Uh, it's good to see you, man. Welcome uh, back into the uh, podcast. Hey, uh, thanks, man. It's good to see y'all. Uh, you've got uh, a lot of stuff going on. You have uh, the, uh, look, look at you, spo- sporting your Zanies hoodie. You know uh, what? I'm Zanies the king National. of kissing up. <laughs> <laughs> you get so <laughs> much a, free stuff, just like us. Yeah, yeah. It's a learned art form. <laughs> it really is, man. You know, used to it be like, oh, it's a cool looking sweatshirt. Then it became, dude, I need that Dude, sweatshirt. man, hook yeah. me up. Yeah. Then you just start stealing it. That. That, we don't call it stealing. We call it uh, procurement. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, because I started the sentence before I knew what we were going to call it. <laughs> that was we, a we good say. Stealing. And see, that goes back to the uh, the moonshiners thing. That's right. See, right we don't call it stealing. We call stealing. it stealing. stealing. So see, bees, full circle. Bees used to have like a bit part on moonshiners where he was just like Mark and Digger's buddy. And now you're like. The star of it, like well, like they're taking I, you know the whole what? thing over. You know what? They have drastically increased my uh, presence, if you will, on the show, and I've kind of inherited one of the sweet spots on there. So it's really been neat, man. It's been a quite I, a hoot. So I, season seven for me, season season twelve for the show. That's Moonshiners on Discovery Channel, eight o'clock Eastern time <laughs> on Wednesday. Wednesdays. Do you get 8 a, PM. Do, do people uh, recognize you at like uh, more because Dude, of the TV yeah, show? I got recognized in Bucky's. Oh really? And there oh, that's was, awesome! And wow. there was so much eye candy in Bucky's. You get recognized there, dude. I've been recognized this past week at Golden Corral. All right, right. At Bucky's and at Walmart and in the hotel lobby. Nice. So, yeah, I, I can't go anywhere. I can't go I nowhere. Know. Just, I know. just leave me alone, paparazzi. 
Oh, we the want papa, the privacy. The we papa, want the privacy. <laughs> the paparazzi mobile only works on Thursdays. Yeah. <laughs> and, and look, and it's so funny. It's low tech. The guy uses an etch a sketch. Oh, so yeah. if you don't want him to have your picture, you run, and when he chases you, yeah, the race is right. <laughs> Oh, that's what I, that's How what long I have you been holding ready for that joke? That's pretty... seven, seven seasons. <laughs> seven seasons. Um, uh, are you uh, you doing any? What are you watching on Netflix? You doing any kind of like? Are you into a series? I no, I am not. Man, anymore. I work yeah. so hard, and yeah. and when I get home off tour, I like to just recluse and just kind of. I will watch Battle Bots. Oh, dude, I love oh. Battle Bots. I love Battle Bots. Man, I do too. So yeah, so that's. You know that I watch ridiculousness to see the all the blooper videos of people oh. being stupider than I usually am. Do you ever get on? You should get on so, just like regular. Uh, you have a smart TV. Yes. So you should, you can <laughs> download different apps and things, right? So uh, right, right, right. You should download uh, YouTube, just like the YouTube app. Yeah. And sign up and get like a, an account or whatever. And just start going through and searching things that you are really into. Right. And then it will learn what you like. And then pretty soon it becomes It'll suggest, a network, yeah, it just basically. You, the it algorithm just giving you what you want. Yeah, and you can watch full-on movies and clips. and. Mine is full of alien conspiracy things. Nice. It's yeah. full of uh-huh. the uh, that medium girl. Uh, Megan, oh, remember the one the that alien? talks to the alien and like has oh, conversations? Uh, yeah, uh, Glassnose or whatever his name is, is saying that blah, 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 blah. And she gives us uh, updates on what's going on in world politics through the alien's eyes. They are Whoa. in control. So they're taking care of business. We're safe for now, but just stay vigilant, people. Yeah. Yes, yes, no, yes. Right. Do you believe yes. in all that stuff? Uh, maybe. Maybe God works in the mysterious ways. He may have... Uh, he may have more than just me. You ever watch that? Um, what is that yeah. show where the guy does the archaeology thing? Uh, he's, uh, ancient aliens. Ancient? No, not ancient. Oh, it's like oh, ancient oh. Armageddon or archaeology or something like. But anyway, this guy goes back and he's like, he's saying that the pyramids are actually built upon older pyramids, and basically it's proof that we had very intelligent, very advanced civilizations here on Earth well before the Ice Age, even. Oh. Yeah, it's fascinating. And it goes through all these different pyramids, and they show that they're like, you know, like uh, in just a, a Native American, like an Indian mound. Um, they're, they're like, no, these were actually old pyramids. pyramids. And you can look at the way they're aligned to the stars. They tell you how old they are because they can say, well, this one points to the North Star, which would date it at, let's say, 15,000 years ago or whatever. Wow. It's pretty amazing. I wonder yeah. what ruined their civilization. You think it was TikTok? Well, maybe, yeah. maybe. <laughs> it's probably like syphilis. <laughs> maybe, <or something. laughs> probably. Hey, I like syphilis. YouTube a lot though. While we're talking about that, I learned how to remove an appendix watching YouTube. <laughs> what you do? No, don't let what you do. You sharpen the edge of a spoon on the pavement. Uh-huh. Then, okay. then you rinse it off. Right. Then you make that incision to reach in there with your fishing pliers. Uh-huh. You know, and then part with it. Like, wait a minute, this is hooked to something. Uh-huh. So then you have to go to part two on YouTube. Have you got there yet? Or are you just on one? No, yeah, the patient's just waiting. Okay, <laughs> just waiting patiently. Yeah, yeah you want to hold. Like, ah, I don't have any service. Uh. Yeah, you want to hold pressure on this. <laughs> Hang in there. <laughs> so, I didn't realize that. Bite this uh, towel. Killer was uh, an ambulance. Uh, I, I, EMT I, I, for a long I, I worked time. on you in the back of the ambulance. I did, did that for three years, and that very exciting, very eye-opening gig to have you learn about the consequence of your actions or of other people's actions uh-huh. when you work in a nine-one-one ambulance. Did so, you get? Was there like? Would you go home and you just kind of be like, Bleh. 
Yeah, yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You know, the the trauma that, that first responders go through will manifest itself can I, in all kinds of different ways. Yeah. Can so, I add something as a first responder myself? I would like to say something, because what is the one thing, and you're going to know this exactly, the one thing people, when they find out that you did that, they always say, what's the worst thing you've seen? Right. That right. is the worst thing to ask somebody who's, you know, dealing who, with that, that trauma compartmentalized. Who does Beca- not want to dwell on yeah. that. Right. So, you know what, I... I, I I mean, dude, I know you you can relate. Somebody say, what's the worst thing? I click right to that moment. I hear everything. I smell everything. It's all very vivid. A better question to ask a first responder, a cop, a firefighter, uh, EMT, whatever, uh, maybe even veterans, instead of saying, what's the worst thing you've done? Say, what's the funniest thing that happened to you on a shift? Right. Because right. everybody's got those stories as well, what's and they're the, much better. What's the funniest and we're thing all... that ever happened to you on a shift? Uh, oh, the funniest thing? World-famous comedian. Oh, yeah. my gosh. I don't, I don't... You know, it's thinking back... I, a lot of the funniest things didn't stick with me, hmm. like uh, like the just the weird stuff. The first time I ever went to a suicide attempt, the lady had uh, had cut her wrist, and to this day, this was one of my first ambulance calls. To this day, I vividly remember the sound of her blood on yeah. my on the tops of my shoes, like that, oh. while I was trying to. Um, that's what I'm saying. That's that's why you never on. ask the worst thing because those are the things that come to mind. And, and they'll weird. and they'll be with you forever yeah. and ever, man. Just you know, my my Achilles heel was when they were throwing up in the ambulance. I <laughs> Puke could, is I, the worst. I Puke deal, is way worse than worse than blood. Yes, I was able to deal with lots and of poop. trauma because you know you're in the zone right there. But when they're puking, you're like, oh my gosh! I'm like, here, you're gonna have to hold pressure on this. I'm gonna look out the window. <laughs> <laughs> So, so if you weren't, um, so if you weren't doing comedy, um, what would you do? What would be your? Well, you, do it all over again? you know, I might have tried to do something in the medical field. Yeah. I might would have done that. Why did you get out of it? The um, three years you did. Uh, it was low pay. Okay. You know, it was low pay, and I was I was young. I was the youngest person in the state of Mississippi to ever do that job. How I old was were you? seventeen when I started. Oh, wow. I was a senior in high school, and number. I worked every other night and every other weekend. And would get to school late continuously because I would be on an active call lots of times. So they waived the whole tardy rule and all that. But the coolest thing about that was I had an English teacher that would have me come up to the front of the class and tell why I was late. And to me, it was just cool because I got to tell all these all these glory, all these uh, gory stories, you uh-huh. know, rock star yeah, type yeah, stuff. Yeah. But in retrospect, it let me verbalize what I had been through the night before. And I think I it was so. really a cathartic thing for me sure. to be able to do that. Yeah. So, uh, when did you start doing comedy? The last weekend of June, 1982. How old were you? Um, I don't know. I was born in 70. I was born in 53. I'm 69. Now I'm in my 41st year of, of, comedy. of doing stand-up, which amazes me that I've been in, in this business this long. So were you always just kind of funny? I was since I was a little baby. The earliest memories in my memory banks, and I've probably shared this with y'all, I lived in a funeral home in Kosciuszko, Mississippi. My dad was a funeral director and an embalmer, and I had a, the run of the place. And as a toddler, I remember seeing sad people come and go from where I lived, and I learned that I could do silly little cute stuff, and the crying people would stop 
crying hmm. and come over and talk to me and smile. Wow. And I think that that's what fills my compulsion to mm-hmm. this day to make people smile and laugh. I don't do good around stoic people because I, I just feel like something's wrong. I think we should all start our day happy and yeah. elated that God has given us another beautiful day, at least until 1130 or so <laughs> yeah. when we realize it's going to suck like yesterday. <laughs> But, yeah, but, but at the but, first of the day, but, you're not real sure. It could go either yeah, way. Right. Yeah, but but I think we should all have that mindset. Matter, matter of fact, when the kids were all growing up at, at the house, they would always fuss me, Dad, quit acting so bubbly in the morning. And I'm That's like, my well, kids. I'm like, you're right, because I am acting. And we have the choice each and every day to start that day in a good mood or mm-hmm. a bad mood. So, sure. yep. so did someone tell you that you should get into uh, stand-up? My whole life. My entire life was wittiest in junior high and in high school and all that kind of stuff. Specifically so, stand-up or just you should get into acting? You should or? be a comedian. That, that was, was the word. word. That was right. the terminology. And I lived in Jackson, Mississippi, and there was no such thing as comedians in Jackson, Mississippi. There and there's was, not Google back then, so you couldn't go, how correct. does one start in comedy? So what did you do? Correct. Well, I worked uh, pool halls, biker bars, anything I could do. I did 311 performances before I ever saw a comedian in person. Wow. So, and wow. that. What do you mean? I don't know what you mean. I, I never. I, there just were you. no comedy there's... clubs, right. So. I was working in a music store, playing blues guitar on weekends, selling guitars, doing guitar techie type stuff, and went to Chicago on music store business and blew off going to see Steve Morse and the Dixie Dregs one night and went to Zany's Comedy Club downtown uh, Chicago and saw uh, first time to walk in into a comedy club, and it changed my life just walking through the door. Because all of a sudden, here's a place where the chairs are turned toward the stage mm-hmm. and the people are sitting looking to that stage and they're there to listen. They're not there going, who's this jackass trying to be funny while oh, I'm yeah. trying to pick up women? Yeah. So the headliner was Jay Leno. This was back when he was still on the club circuit. and his- So the first time you ever walked into a comedy club in your life, 28, 29 years old, Jay Leno was the guy on stage? Correct. Correct, and wow. his most of his act was, what's your name, where are you from, what do you do for a living? He would do and, all crowd work? Yes, incredibly what? good at crowd And I say all, I'm sure he had some material, but what sticks out of my head was all the crowd work that he was doing and how good he was. I wonder if that's was. what made him a better host, because whenever I watch like late night TV, I look at these guys, and then I'll go back and I'll watch clips of Leno and Carson and and not even highlight shows. I'll just go find like random episodes, and when you're watching those shows, you realize how much better he was than pretty much everybody that's out right now. Right, because he had all that scar tissue you get from being on comedy club stages, plus all that muscle that you build by being on comedy club stages and a host hosting is a really hard job so you've got to be able to think on your feet because nothing ever goes exactly the way the script reads one of the one of the people that i always thought was an incredibly good host was arsenio hall Mm -hmm. he was fantastic man had great rapport with anybody that was on his show so that's an art form that is kind of overlooked and on the Mm -hmm. comedy club circuit generally the newest, most inexperienced guy is the host of the show. Yeah. So when I moved to Nashville and worked out of Zanies, I did one time a solid month just as the MC. 
just because I needed to get that emceeing skill down. And mm-hmm. in other venues, I was the middle act or the headliner. But Lenny Sisselman uh, told me and hipped me to the fact that you've got to learn how to emcee because that's a whole different art form that can that can pay off it in so many different ways. Yeah. So uh, so that it is it is hard because uh, we 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 have to host things uh, and hosting is completely different than what we're what we're doing it's not now. like radio it's not where you have yeah. a conversation it is a it's a one-way conversation most of the time every once yeah. in a while i go you having fun tonight yeah or something yeah, and like everything's that. overdone and big right. movements and that kind of thing and it's uh i don't like it uh, it's it's hard it's, it's a very as, hard yeah. and like i said before it, it and nobody sticks to the script on that you know you got people doing stupid stuff in front of you while you're trying to MC, so a lot of lot of trial and error that goes on. That's one of the reasons it takes so long, long, long to get good at stand up. You cannot practice it no. unless you're in front of people under duress. Now you can memorize. You can stand in front of a mirror and try to memorize what you're going to say, yeah. but you're not under duress mm-hmm. when you're in front of people. It's a packed room or even a little crowd, and you've got to do good. You're under stress. Your breathing is different. Your motor skills are different. And so that's that's the learning curve is being under fire time and time again and not giving up just because they break your heart the first thousand yeah. times. Well, and I was I was a singer, songwriter, I was in bands and played guitar. You you obviously play guitar. And people say, Oh, it's just like that. No, because if you suck, <laughs> if you're not having a good night and you're the singer, it doesn't it doesn't require the audience to make you good. Like it's so much different in comedy. If people don't laugh, you're not funny. And if you're not funny, people don't laugh. It's like this self feeding Mm -hmm. thing. And it's, it's really strange. Like you need the crowd to laugh at you for your, for your jokes to work. Yeah. Yeah. There's an intimacy that you need with the crowd in any type of spoken word. It's almost trust. It's, it's like you have to be able to get them to trust you to feel okay to laugh. Mm-hmm. And I think once you build that trust, and it's really that first probably two minutes of a comedy show is the most important thing. Once I, I feel like if you can get them to, to buy in, you've got them for the rest of the time. But I would well, think as a comedian, that's the <clears throat> toughest thing to walk out. And that's out. why you have somebody like me or whoever the new guy is that you throw out there, because that's the hardest part. Going out there to uh, to get to them a, in the mood yeah. to laugh, stepping up in a cold crowd. The first, just, yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah, that's why they call it a warm up. Yeah, the first you're warm up the crowd, and then by the time thank you, bees comes out. Well, what I mean, you <laughs> no, know. I, I, you know? did you know that's why they call it? Well, well you know. most people don't know that. Most well, people don't think do. I, th- that I think way. they figured it out. And, and, <laughs> and here's the thing: no matter where you are in the lineup, you're a different entity to that audience, and mm-hmm. they've not seen or heard from you yet. And what you really want to do is right out of the bat, first 60 seconds, be their friend. You've got to go up and not be uppity, not preach at them, not tell them what you're upset about. You need to go up and be their buddy right off the get-go. Because like if, we, they, if we're a club, Killer, I'm sorry to interrupt, but we're yeah. a club. You walk into our room, what are you going to do to kind of get us going? I think this is fascinating, like, you know, like to break the ice. Well, yeah, you, you, well, look at it like this. Here's how I treat it. Let's say you were just introduced 
to someone you've never met them before. If I'm introduced to somebody, I don't immediately start riffing, doing shtick yeah. at them. I go, hey, man, nice to meet you. If I'm if they're home, I'm like, man, this is great. I love your house. Good going. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You, you act human and you act humble that the people have paid to come see you and you let them know right up front that you're not. And I'll use the term uppity because that's one of the biggest dangers is acting like you know more than them or, or them perceiving that. Because if you look at the, just the physics of it, the performer is on stage above the audience. The audience is seated. You're standing above them. You have a microphone. Like you're, you're lording over them. Correct. You're under bright lights. So the possibility, the potential to come off as arrogant is so much more intent. It, it is so much more of a, what am I trying to say here? Possibility. Poss- yeah. Thank yeah, you. It's, thank it's you, right thank there. I mean, it's it, almost a given that you're you're in charge. When you walk out there, right, it's your stage. Right. It's your room. Correct. And so my philosophy, and there's cat, you know, there's cats that are wildly successful doing stand-up that do it different. So I'm not saying it's my way or the highway, but what I do is I try to go out and be their friend and act like I just met them and I'm cordial and uh and and I that's the way I do it. They've gotta like you. I've worked with so many cats that were brilliant comedians, and after the show I'll ask people, what'd you think of something? We didn't like him. Uh-huh. Not we didn't like his material. Wow. Mm. So you have got to make people want to hear what you're saying. Yeah, Likeability is a huge thing in life, really. Yeah. yeah and yeah, actually and what you're suggesting, you I'm sorry, uh, what you're suggesting probably isn't a, a bad lesson for all of us to learn just in life in general when you meet somebody new. I mean, you know, if you're humble, if you're whatever, they're going to like you more. If you're like, hey, nice to meet you. Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself, you know, whatever it is. If you show interest in that person, like you would show interest in that crowd when you're going in and being their friend, then I think they're going to be more receptive to whatever else is coming afterwards. Yeah, I agree, man. And here's the thing with with the comedy clubs, the way they have evolved over the years, so, so many, let me edit that, too many (laughs) comics rely on slamming somebody in the crowd. You know, old-timey days, people would come to the show and I'd talk to them before the show. I'd see them come in there, okay, great. These days, like, hey, if you want somebody to pick on, you know, because so many comics have such a reputation of of um, picking on people, yeah, slamming, they have to find somebody, somebody to make fun can, of. Yeah. And, you know, to me, that's not the art form. It is so easy, in my opinion, to make smart aleck remarks about things as opposed to being an artist about things. I mean, I mean, it's so easy to get laughs because you're making fun of somebody who's wearing a weird jacket or yeah, whatever. Or, or, or whatever. So you've, you know? have you noticed that you've changed and you've evolved in that right since you started? Well, yes, yes, because when you're first starting out, you don't have the experience mm-hmm. and your bench of material is not deep enough and you have to go for whatever, you know, laughs, whether they're cheap or not, mm-hmm. that you can get. And there's still room for crowd work. There's still room for somebody to say something silly and for me to say something silly or back. Yeah. Do you have things like you have uh, ready to go when someone like a, a heckler says something? like? I, you know, used to, we all had stock 
heckler lines. Yeah. Um, which I don't get heckled much. First of all, I hardly ever get heckled. And and my definition of someone heckling is so, yeah. exactly is somebody being rude to you. You know, you suck. You know, whatever. That's that's heckling, not somebody just thinking they can talk to you because you're being very personable with them. So, so do you find that when you are you go on and you're humble and you 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 are you befriend everyone? Uh, so now if you do have a heckler, you have uh, the rest of the people on your side, and they're going to turn on them uh, and maybe boo them for trying to heckle because they already like you. They don't know this person. Well, I, even if I get heckled, I try not to let it go there. I don't believe people will speak out out of turn in a crowd like that, unless for some reason in their life, they need attention. And so my philosophy is I treat them with love. I do not like slamming people. Mm -hmm. It's too easy. It doesn't take, it it doesn't take art. It doesn't take skill really to do that. Lowest common denominator. Yes. So correct. Low hanging fruit. And so if somebody heckles me, I'll, you know, I, I try to be cordial to them. Yeah. Dude, I'm sorry you feel that way. Let me finish my I show. Mean, yeah. But but Bees literally nice. <laughs> well that it works. Because yeah, he is, that's who he is. That's you have who to I am. Right. Right. Yeah. So is. with Patrick going on stage uh, or going on tour and doing some dates with you and all that kind of stuff, do you uh do you guys talk about like what you're gonna like your set, do you do you talk to him about like his set? No, because I don't want to hurt his feelings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, bees bees gives me a lot of a positive reinforcement. Like I come off stage because there's usually somebody between me and Killer. Okay. okay? Uh, so because I'll usually open and then and we'll usually have another comedian. I don't know if we're gonna have somebody with us in. Louisiana or not, actually, if it's just the two of us. Yeah, I think we're the only. I don't yeah. know. If, I don't but, know. But like our friend, our friend Dan does shows with us, and we've done and stuff like that. So while he's on stage, bees will come up to me and say, "Oh, that really worked well done," or you, you tried a new punchline in that middle second. And it's positive reinforcement. So, so you're you paying watch. You pay attention oh, yeah. to Patrick doing his you thing. Know. Yes, I do, and I also include Patrick in my pre-show prayer. Yes, every time yes, we go out, and, and like Madonna so, does. No, it's different. Uh, I no, dress different. different. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. We know. mean it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. That was nice. Awful. But Patrick could wear that same bra, that cone bra. Oh, yeah. I fill it out <laughs> But it doesn't does. poke out as far. No, no it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It's more rounded. It's yeah. harder to see. Uh, are no. you concerned about, Patrick, when you go on stage, like what you're wearing, how you appear? Are you oh, self-conscious? You know what? I wore a T-shirt one time, uh, honestly, because Bubba told me to. I wore a, a, I had this funny T-shirt. It had two pictures of Taylor Swift on it, and it said, "Do you like my Tay-Tays? Yeah, and it's fun. It's yeah, and and bees. Yeah, I wouldn't do. Got that. on me and goes, "Don't don't wear a t-shirt on stage. Dress like you're there, like you're you know important. You're yeah, right. you're the performer. Right. Oh, I wouldn't. You know. I was gonna see it from a different way. Okay, all right. Yeah, that you is know? part and, of and the packaging. The, and don't go for a joke on the shirt. Like but yeah, you know, that's my thing. It's yeah, like it's also that. It's yeah, both. That's, yeah, and it's always there. Or you could do yeah. like Kreischer and They're just sh- take your shirt off. Yeah, yeah. I don't that. that would be hilarious. Uh-huh. If I did it, it'd be funnier than when he does it. I can tell you right, right. now. And then, also sadder at and the same then time. I could, and then I could be on the podcast and go, I remember Patrick's last performance. Yeah. 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 <laughs> do you watch uh, comedians and you're just like, uh, like with um, uh, Chris Rock when he just did his thing that came out and he did the bit about you know getting slapped on the uh, award show and stuff. Uh, did you watch him? I did not. Did you see the clips of it at all? No. No. Okay. No. No, but I will say this. 
um, the comedians who tell us, and this is my opinion, who tell us if you're not offending people, you're not doing your job. I think they are dead wrong. Uh-huh. I think a comedy stage where you're there to bring levity is not the place it's not the soapbox for you to complain about social irregularities or politics or whatever makes you mad about stuff. It's not meant for complaining. Yeah, but, and there, for but there putting, are people who want to be offended well, and are looking for it. I can, once again, yeah. only my opinion. Right. But so well, just I like, just I just don't think offending people on purpose serves because that because that entire audience is there. For you and I, I just I think it works both ways though. There are people who who seek it out now. There are people who could go to one of your shows, and I've pretty much uh, got I've seen Killer enough times to know um, a lot of his material. Uh, there are things people could pick apart and be offended by because they want to be offended. You know, right. that's, and those people just need. To but he's just, not meaning to. No, Correct. he's not meaning to. But a Correct. lot of times, so I don't know that that's he's not meaning to. That is my point. Well, like we've said all the time, if there is a difference between humor and hate. And you have to be able to discern it. It's not my job for you to decide if it's humorous or hateful. It is my job to present it in a funny way. And if it's, you know, we get a laugh, okay, ha ha, it was not meant to be, you know, some kind of venom towards anybody. And, you know, people listening to the show sometimes don't hear things the way that you mean them. And it's not my job for you to interpret the way my words it is my job to throw it out there hopefully it connects and we all laugh together uh but if not sorry moving on and let's go to the next one but but there are people who want to complain we get it on a pretty regular basis and i'm sure you know if they wanted to they could complain about you oh i'm sure man shifting back to those shows i do want to do more crowd work I, i watch comedians do really good crowd work and i and i'm envious of it i'm like i wish i had that muscle in my, you know that you do have my, it. I, I have it. I just don't do it in my, in my set. I don't, and I and I feel like especially as the opening act, I should go out there. Right, and right, right, right. Talk and, to a couple people and the, you know, like and I'm, and I still do crowd work. I oh, do yeah. crowd work. You know, oh, I'm yeah. not poo pooing crowd oh, work no, at no. all, man. Because you just do it in a really different, in a much more uh, way. Oh yeah, you do it in a much more friendly, positive way than a lot of these guys do. But a lot of people are doing really genuinely good. Just making funny comments about what's going on in the room or what, like you said, Leno saying, what do you do for a living? And he could make jokes about that. Just, he was ready to go. It would just turn it into something funny. We do that when we would do our shows at game night, we just talk to people and then it just, the humor just comes out of that. That's what the whole point of the games was in game night was just in a chance to interact with people and hopefully find another joke. That's right. But I'm definitely going to try that in Lafayette when it's like, and that just make sure it's fun. (laughs) You it's know that be... that's the that's the thing. Don't don't complain your way through it. That's mm. you know build people up, man. That's something else that we should all be doing. Whatever we're doing, two hundred yeah. two hundred drunk Cajuns. Well, that's I, what we're gonna get. Well, you have common ground. You're gonna do great. There. Oh yeah, it's gonna be fantastic. <laughs> I know drunk. you. You'll be kind of tipsy I'll before be, you I'll hit be the also stage. be a drunk Cajun. But It'll also, be fantastic. I also think playing the part of that is also effective. Like it wasn't Dean Martin like during the whole time that they were doing all the Vegas stuff wasn't he drinking apple juice playing the part of the drunk and he was able to stay sharp by not actually being drunk and he was better at being the funny guy I've heard that both ways I've heard that he was actually hammered and I've heard that he was faking it so you know maybe sometimes he was maybe sometimes he wasn't who is this I don't know Dean Martin I've never heard of him 
You he never w- heard of Dean Martin? Yeah, it's a joke. <laughs> oh, for a second, I was like, really? Wow. Um, well, good. Well, uh, do you think uh, Patrick is uh, how? So he started out like, let's say, an average is a C uh, on stage. Is he up to a B yet? Is yes. he plus? I would say yes. He's okay. I would good. say yes. You're improving. That's great. That's good. So his he's appears to be much more at ease on stage and that's a big part of the art of the art form is appearing that's the whole art form don't let them know you're wigging yeah Mm -hmm. you know every show is hard or could be oh it's terrifying so and if things aren't going never get more nervous than then we're sitting backstage oh yeah and there are people like pay extra for a photo op or a meet and greet with bees and so he's doing all of his meet and greets, signing autographs, taking pictures, and I'm just sitting in the corner, just sweating, yeah, just, yeah, just, yeah. oh, so yeah. terrifying. It's tough, man. It's hard to, you know, because there's no, it's not a team sport. No, you're out there. You're, it's all you. And it's yeah. that's why yeah. I would never do it. I would never, ever, ever in a million years even try it. It's terrifying. It's, it's I tell you that right now, dude. You guys were talking about the muscle. It's a completely different muscle than what we do. I could come here in the radio oh. station, take calls, and banter all day. Mm-hmm. But man, standing in front of them with a with a, a routine, and you know, yeah. you think your home run joke is uh, it, and then all of a sudden it bombs, and then you're like, oh my god, well the next one's not as good. And in your head, yeah. you're thinking that already before you even get to the joke, and I'd be, I. That's terrifying. That's what I tell the new guys. They go, they go, Beast, what does it take? And I say, it takes getting your heart broken a thousand times. You have to build that scar tissue mm-hmm. so that you're not as afraid to try new stuff. Well, and then you're in good luck. Uh, you're in good hands, Pat. You're, you're, I'm sure your heart already has, already scar has tissue. plenty of scar tissue. <laughs> <laughs> That that was a fat joke. <laughs> yeah, and there's that. There it's probably hard. Is it hard for you to? To get away from just doing fat jokes, me? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I try to. I mean, I you know, I try to not do too many because I remember, I remember Ralphie saying that he never wanted to do fat jokes because it was too easy. You know. Mm-hmm. You, it, yeah. And I, I the see joke that, is already you know? there. The joke's already there. Yeah. You do but squeeze some of them in. I, oh, I, I'm I, sorry. That was a fat joke. No. <laughs> I, that was but not I mean, <laughs> to not to not tell jokes about it is almost. Is almost dishonest. You know, you can I don't address why it. Is that? Yeah, why no, is that? Because why it's that? so much of my personality. I've been this big my whole life. And so much of, of the we, stories that are funny to me come from me being a big dude. But yeah, yeah it's not it's not too much of what the I The audience isn't judging you like that. Oh yeah, they that's are. something that nope. Oh. That's something well, I also else think to though, be aware of. Yeah, but isn't something specific? Like if Patrick is specifically saying, you know, uh, in whatever the story may be, that this person was blah 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 because I'm a big guy. Mm-hmm. I think that specificity, specificity, specificity. Like I have a couple of jokes about going to the big and tall store, and how you walk in and it's 55 degrees because they know their audience, you know, <laughs> like you walk in and, but but even if you're not fat you get that. But I mean that's we know that's funny because it's true. It's just a story. Well, and you know, that, that, and that's the point. It it, it is telling the truth. Yeah. So so I yeah, so I, I mean I get that. But and I also think a, that you just standing there like it, it's just like his it's like his his voice. Mm-hmm. His voice, he doesn't have to tell jokes about his voice. It it is it is what it is. So he can do material that has nothing, nothing to do, to with, do it, with it, yeah. but because of his voice, it's funnier. And you, you mean can his do accent, yeah, his, um, yeah, yeah, his accent. Right. So you can do uh, content that is has nothing to do with weight, right? But it it's still funny because of your weight. And I can't really do that. I'm not sure I'll 
keep doing this, but there were a couple of shows where I was able to do, I was making fun of uh, Roy and how he laid on the floor and how he didn't like to, you know, do tummy time the way that, and so part of that joke is for me to get down on the floor and imitate him. Yeah. Well, that's probably not funny if you do it, but when I did it, it's sure. hilarious because yeah. I'm because I'm a big fat guy. And I get down like, yeah. and then again, the joke is that I get down there and I I said, there's like a moment of silence where I go, I didn't think this through. I'm not <laughs> sure. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get back up now. Yeah. And then you get a laugh from everybody, and then when you actually get up, Everyone everybody claps, claps because yeah. you got you. Oh, the fat guy can stand, you know. But, <laughs> but then I would think you would want because I think the audience is in a. It kind of puts them in a weird place because they don't know if they should laugh sometimes yeah. with fat stuff, you know. And so I don't know. I, and I'll I, say I would move this, on after that. And I'll say on. I'll say this though: that's not the theme of his stand-up. Good, no, it's good. not. I, 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 I want to say that it's not the theme. Oh, that was good, but so. it's just it's just part of who I am. So you go there, right? You know, yeah. that's why I like comedian. Like like bees is a southern. Southern comedian, but that's not all of his jokes are not based on that. Right. It's just like it's just like a black comic that doesn't do stuff that if you could tell if there are some jokes in your set that uh, that another comic could tell, then any other then there's there's some universality to it. You know, if all you're doing is standing there telling fat jokes because you're a fat guy, and then eh, you know it's it's a little bit cheap. It's just like female comics who only tell jokes about being a woman, like I couldn't tell any of those jokes; they wouldn't be funny. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know, actually. I, I, I was. You would laugh at that. Yeah, <laughs> I laugh at everything. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. I appreciate people just bring. You know, it's it's one of those things. You know, you talked about it. You have the choice to start your day grumpy or not. Right. I like people who go out and actively try to make people feel better, do better, be better. The whole thing and comedy is a very important part of that. And you know. You wake up, people make fun of dad jokes all the time. Dad jokes are great because you might throw out 10 or 15 and they're mm. like, Ugh. but then you get them with one and they go, ah! and then all their friends are like, your dad's the funniest one. And they all, their friends like you more, everything. It's just, if you go out and you try to make people smile, you're going to miss sometimes. It's like a shotgun. Not every BB hits, but when they do, you've got them and you made a connection and it's a positive connection rather than something ugly. That you could be doing. That's a good way to put that, Bubba. Good going, man. Thanks. You're welcome. Uh, uh, Positive, always positive. Yeah, uh, it's good. I enjoy the deconstructing uh, stand-up comedy. It's really uh, interesting. uh, Well, you can come see our shows because we're playing. Well, Bees is at Zany's this weekend. Correct. Correct. Oh, you are? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, We're playing in Lafayette, Louisiana on the 30th, and then Alexandria on the 31st, and Baton Rouge on April Fool's Day. Okay. If you're anywhere near any of those, yeah, come good. see us. Check them out. Uh, and if you want to see a bunch of drunk Cajuns come to that Lafayette show, it's going to be. Or just go crazy. to their house. Or just go to, yeah, that's fine. What's the <laughs> website? Killerbees.com. Uh, yeah, Killerbees.com. And uh, Facebook, Killerbees Comedy. Spell okay. B-E-A-Z, because we did not know, know any better. better. Yeah, good. <laughs> you like Tim McGraw? Yes. Yes. Good, because he's coming on. Yep. Yep. He's yep. Next. yep. That's right. Bubba. Oh, you mean after the thing? I'm sorry. I was yeah, I was texting my I was texting my son. It, what's more important than my son, my child? The job he, that we're doing right now. Oh yeah. He, he, he works very hard. He works very hard. You're very hard. So very hard. I think she does repeat it. Yeah, yes, right. yes. He, he works, works so very hard. hard. 
You know, very hard. You know, she's so proud of, of, of Killer Bees. You know why? He's worked so very hard. <laughs> she's so proud of Patrick. Why? He's worked so very hard. So very hard. <laughs> so very hard. This was the okay, podcast, but now yeah, it's yeah. your yeah. But that's okay, because you can listen to the regular show. <laughs> Thank you, Bees. Radio. We love you. Love you, love you. It was the podcast. Very hard. Oh, guys. Tim McGraw, what's up, brother? I'm just hanging out, you know, talking to y'all. Oh, well, I'm glad you are. Uh, by the way, uh, Tim, uh, once again, stepping up and uh, hitting uh, hitting another one out the park uh, and making us go, oh, man, and making us look at ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> look at our lives and see if we're doing it right, doing it wrong. Oh, my God. Why do you God, do this to why? us, man? Why? I'm doing it for myself. Do you? <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to learn. Do you feel like, uh, like as we we all age, you know, we that happens. And of course, we all get older. But do you feel like uh, things change in the way, like songs that you are attracted to, like different than the, like you were in your 20s and 30s as you get older? And like a song like this, it's get very retrospective. This is not down on the farm. This is much more yeah, humble right. and kind and live <laughs> yeah. like you were dying. Yeah, uh, yeah. Standing room only, by the way, is the song we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I, in some ways, yes. You know, the older you get and and the more life you've lived, um, songs hit you differently for sure. Um, but I, you know, I still have the same barometer that that I've always had for songs. Just finding great songs that are written well and and are trying to write them. You know, however that turns out. Sometimes it turns out. Sometimes it doesn't. But you know, when a song like this comes around, it really makes you think. And something that's got this sort of a lyric to it like Standing Room only has, and also has a lot of energy behind it as well as a record, those are those are rare when you find those kind of songs, those kind of songs that really have a, a life affirmation sort of meaning to them, and songs that really have a lot to say, but you, but feel like an up-tempo song in a lot of ways. And those are those are special, and when you find stuff like that, I, I can't wait to get in the studio and record it. I saw the, uh, it was a video, I think you posted, um, I don't know, maybe TikTok or something, but it was, you're in your old, uh, your SUV. You still have that uh, that truck, the Oh yeah, for sure. I can't get rid of that. What is That's it? It's got too many memories. It's a it's an old Escalade. Is it Escalade? Is it what it was? Yeah, an Escalade. I think it's seventeen or eighteen years old. I'm not quite sure how old it is, but somewhere around around that area. Yeah, I love I still, it. Where I love listening to music, listening to my mixes. I know that stereo like the back of my hand. I know how it sounds. I know how everything's supposed to sound in there. So that's sort of my go-to listening. Isn't that listening hilarious? For. Isn't that funny? Like Elvis would do that kind of stuff. He would have it mixed to a, at the time, a transistor radio was all the rage. And so he would have them mix the song through a transistor radio. So he could listen to it the way Because he's like, this is the way would. they're going to hear it. So I want to hear Everybody's going to hear it. And, and I also, I do that. And then I listen on, on the little earbuds too, because most people oh. listen on the earbuds. So you, you, it's got to sound good on there as well. That's smart. Yeah. So, uh, what, so I have to say, it seems like every artist that uh, we talk to or comes in or whatever, um, mention, mentions you. And, uh, some of them is for, for music, you know, like, yeah, you know, he's a, you know, mentor, but, but you know what most of it is you, you have, you single-handedly Tim have gotten Nashville artists into shape. Uh, everyone, <laughs> everybody says the same thing. Yeah. Just trying to keep up with Tim, Tim McGraw. Just trying to keep up with Tim. I don't know. They'd probably cuss me if they'd been on the road with me. Yeah. Who was it that was Put with you? Who was that? Do you remember? They're like, yeah, I was on the road with Tim, and he was like, dude, he's like, like he's they not would, playing around. They, they said that you would do a workout before the actual workout, and then you would do a workout after the workout. So insane. 
Well, you know, I've got to do something with my day. I can't just sit around and be bored on the bus all day. Well, you can play golf. There's a lot of things you can do. I haven't got to golf yet. I'm scared if I start playing golf, I won't quit and I won't do anything else. (laughs) Tim McGraw uh, joining us. The uh, song that is getting uh, so much attention, that's the new one from him, called Standing Room Only. Uh, And uh, this is the track that's coming from, when is the album, uh, do we have a date on when the new album's coming out? Don't have a date, but it's going to be early fall. Okay, coming with a new album. We're we're putting the finishing touches on it now. Um, the hardest part's going to be deciding what songs go on it and what songs get left off. I sure. mean, you go in the studio and record these these great songs, and, and not all of them make it. That's the hardest part when you have to leave stuff on the floor. Hey, well, can I? Uh, I, I just want to shift gears. I got to go eighteen eighty three because we haven't talked much uh, since then. Whose idea was it to put Faith in the show? Was it you? Did they go after you first or her first? Well, what happened was Taylor, I got a call one night from Taylor Sheridan, and I'd never met him before, and he sort of just cold called me. He got my number, and he wanted me to come on and do a flashback or do a scene, uh, a a story on, on Yellowstone, and we talked for a little while, and I, I'd asked him, you know, I, I'd l- love to do something on Yellowstone. I just don't want to be, you know, another singing cowboy that gets taken to the train station. So if it's coming with a cool role, then I'd be, be happy to do it. And he called me back about a week later, and he had the idea of doing the flashback of being the original Dutton that founded the, the ranch. And then he said, you're going to have a wife in this. Do you think Faith would want to do it? And I asked Faith, and she she said, of course, we'll go do it. We'll, what do we got to lose? We go spend a couple of weeks in Montana and shoot this couple flashback episodes and little did we know it was going to lead to a whole series well i was going to say that faith i mean dude you're you you know you're a great actor we we've talked about that before faith i don't know why but she was the standout the day that the episode where she was riding the horse and she's like showing hey mama can do this too i was like dude look at faith just it's like a i don't know she never got the props that she deserved and I, i love the fact that both of you were able to be spot lit or spotlighted in the show Oh, it was great. She did a great job. I was impressed by her every single day, and she got so good on that wagon, too, which was is not an easy thing to do to drive those wagons, and she got pretty efficient on that thing. Yeah, and, uh, do they practice? The riding, all of it was great. We had such a great time. I grew up riding, so being on horseback all day was, was heaven for me. Do they have like a like a cowboy uh, camp? A ca- yeah, like a camp that, like for people who've never done any of that before? They did. They had a cowboy camp, a couple of weeks of cowboy camp, where everybody, sort of the cast, got all got to know each other, and we went through all of our training and, and you know, on arms training and, and, and horseback training, and we hmm. roped and drove wagons. We spent two weeks of doing that every day, all day long. So everybody got pretty good pretty quickly. It always stripped me out, like, whenever I'm watching, like, uh, 1883, and then I'll watch uh, uh, Yellowstone, uh, the lady who plays your sister is also the lady who's, uh, you know, manipulating Jamie. It kinda, right, it's right, weird. Yeah. Oh, that's right. It's the same actress. Yeah, oh, well, she's wow. a time jumper. That's <laughs> uh, right. So you know, Morgan uh, released like thirty-six songs, and we're mm-hmm. see, starting to see more and more artists release um, like, differently than it used to be. It used to be like here's an album with here's twelve songs, 12 songs and or or sing? three. It's either twelve, three, or four, and then yeah, it's we done. S- yeah, we saw that whole like three. F- do you see it changing? Uh, do you put any thought to that at all? I, a little bit. I mean, I, I'm still an album guy. I mean, I, the more songs, the better. I think. I mean, I, I think that um, it, you get to hear the work in context. You know, when you have a whole album and mm-hmm. you get to listen to a lot of songs, and you can sort of see, you know, where the artist's head was at, and, and 
what we were thinking when we were making the record and the sounds and everything. And it all, I think it makes more sense to listen to an album after after you've heard a single. I think know, it would be just having a single stand on its own. I think it would be I'm, so I'm, cool. I'm, I'm old school that way. I like albums. Well, like because I I just think about all the songs that you dropped from albums that nobody's ever heard. You could probably just hit stuff and go uh, old stuff you've never heard, and that's the album. And it would be like 45 songs. Mm-hmm. There, there, there's a bunch of them out there. I mean, I, maybe maybe my kids will make some money off of them. <laughs> uh, the new one it's called Standing Room Only from uh, Tim McGraw. Uh, look forward to the uh, album coming out later on this year tim always the best uh give our our love to faith and we'll uh we'll talk to you soon we'll do good talking to you See you, man. Take care, Bye. Man.